Hey, this is Derek D-Train He2. Tonight's episode is brought to you by... Club, folks, another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. We got some of these little suspects sitting in the house with us tonight. We got our producer, Patrick O'Clarty Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, the local nerd on staff, Robbie P. Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you mama then? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight for episode 110, Mark the Dr. Morley. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen up, fellas. We got a special guest sitting in with us tonight, a friend of the program, been with us, with us here before. We got Steve Dubinsky. He's a, a former NHLer with the Blackhawks, Flames, uh, Predators, Blues, and uh, also has the Super Series Elite uh, uh, showcases that he does around the country, and we've been helping him out with that as well. So it's good to have Steve on. What's up, Steve? How much, boys? Thanks for having me back on. It's been yeah. uh, a little bit of a... Uh interesting last five six months with covid and my business and everything but you know we get to watch playoff hockey i sat there for about eight hours a day about a month ago and just thoroughly enjoying the level of play considering the uh, layoff for these guys yeah so just to touch on real quick with the uh, super series of uh, elite showcases you know obviously this has affected you drastically as far as your schedule and stuff like that so are you following like the usa hockey guidelines or where are you guys at with that yeah, for the most part. So when COVID had kind of struck in March, you know, we had really, the last event that we did was the one that you guys were a part of in, in New Jersey. And uh, then we went into spring. So we ended up moving our largest spring tournament, top tier Toronto, out of Toronto. It ended up going to Rochester for about three weeks. And then when New York State decided to close, we moved it to Pittsburgh, PA. And then the governor there put down some restrictions and we ended up unfortunately canceling that event. We ended up having, you know, two or three of our triple crown events that were normally 24 teams, probably down to six to 10 max. So it's, you know, it's been a little bit of a grind for sure, both mentally and, uh, you know, financially for our company, but, you know, we're we're able to uh, regroup a little bit, our Boston breakout, which is, Normally, our largest event kind of got splintered into certain teams in New Hampshire, only from New England, based on the you know the, the rules in New Hampshire. We have we have a small group of teams in Connecticut, and then we have a couple of aid groups in uh, Philadelphia and spread out in the, in PA. I'm not even sure where it's being held. I think it's some a suburb of Pittsburgh that's that happens to be outside of the the the, the county that's very strict. So. It's been, you know, it's been interesting. Our Midwest Exposure Series, which is at the older levels, which has been in the Midwest, has actually been quite successful. We had a weekend in uh, in August in Minneapolis. We had Labor Day in, in Wisconsin. And then in a week and a half, we have another big event going off in Minneapolis with close to 50 teams. So, you know, bits and pieces, uh, trying to navigate this COVID world and, you know, Fortunately, we're able to navigate it. We have smaller events that, 
we can just move around and the families and the, and the teams have been very, very uh, understanding. And hopefully within the next little bit, USA Hockey is slowly opening up certain cities and certain, you know, districts. And, you know, we're just going to be, we're just going to roll with it. So, Steve, I'm, I'm curious, if you don't mind me jumping on here, you know, are, are there the normal numbers of teams that are usually interested? Were, were they still asking to come or were there just have teams fallen off because of, you know, the uncertainty? Well, I, you know, dealing with the teams, everybody wants to go. Everybody wants to travel. It really comes down to what's open. You know, Illinois has been very, very, very closed. Michigan, the same. This past week, Detroit announced that they're able to have the rinks open. I'm not sure what that means for tournaments. Illinois had been closed completely, but we're allowing practices. And now, apparently, I got word tonight that Illinois, the AHI, which is the governing body of Illinois, is now allowing teams to travel to USA Hockey sanctioned events. So... For example, our Minnesota event that's in nine days will have some Illinois teams. Uh, so, you know, I think I think the, the willingness is there. Yeah. You know, California, for example, I've obviously got a lot of friends at the L.A. Junior Kings. They've unfortunately had to close their practice facility twice in the last month because of COVID and the Kings coming right. back from, you know, trying to skate. And so realistically, you know, the will is there. It's just a matter of what works. And... Uh, you know, the hockey parents are devoted and, and crazy like everybody else, and they want their kids to play. It's it's really just a function of finding those events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're actually playing down here in Florida for the last – for a while, like a month now. So, I mean, even though it's going crazy at Palm Beach, uh, they opened the rink back up like a month ago, and I haven't put my kid back into it yet down there, but I'm uh, thinking about the next week or so to get back into it. Yeah, I know that in Florida they've they've done some restrictions with um like at, the, at for the Florida Alliance, which is the you know the team that Aiden played on, which is more of a state team. They're only allowing national bound teams to leave the state to travel. Hmm. So, like the Double A programs, from what I understand, have to do all interstate. Which you know it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the bad, day. Yeah. It's, it's not a terrible thing. I just think people want to get games. And I think if I was in a situation where I wanted to play and that's the only opportunity, then uh, that would be it. I know, I know you started talking about Raleigh. I know that the junior hurricanes program are attending a number of our events. So I believe they, I don't know if they're open for games in state. They are not allowing teams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're practicing. Yeah, yeah, they're skating and they're practicing. I think they're they're allowing like um, skate coaches to have you know their their training sessions, but uh, there's okay. no games and stuff yet. Yeah, it's interesting how the the districts are being very like I know Maryland, which is part of that same district as uh, as Carolina and Florida. Everybody uh, is kind of really keeping it close and not allowing a lot of teams to come in. And, you know, that's kind of be like Canada's completely closed off for yeah, obviously yeah. the borders closed. I mean, they're not allowing, I believe Ontario is doing only four on four hockey. Wow. <laughs> no, no face offs. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a weird dynamic and, you know, I'm all about player safety and, you know, they, I, I, the, really the biggest problem is I just don't know if anybody really knows, you know, that's yeah. kind of the biggest 
you know, the, the unknown is, you know, who has an idea? Like, you know, we had a bunch of teams from one of our tournaments last week. We had seven teams pull out in 48 hours. Wow. Because of players having COVID, exposed to COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the protocols if one kid on a hockey team gets, you know, a symptom and gets diagnosed with COVID? Well, the whole team essentially is quarantined, but, you know, no one really knows if that's truly what is needed. And I think that's another thing they have to address is, you know, (laughs) no one really knows. I mean, the president, you know, Fauci, I mean, no one really knows. That's the biggest issue with it is no one's willing to take that chance. Right. We don't have the tests that can give us a rapid response in order for us to know right there. And then, well, you know, not right there. And then I think the first test that came out, it took five to seven days, Steve. Yeah. They're, they're getting close though. From what I yeah, understand, they're, they're getting really back. close to, to getting that, that 15 minute, you know, test that everybody can take. And I think that'll change. That'll change youth hockey. You know, that's, you know, from the one thing that I'm concerned about, that'll change things where, where people can get diagnosed, you know, have symptoms. So. I think you hit it on the head. There's just there is willingness. There's just no confidence in in not in the not knowing, right? Everybody wants to get back out and do stuff, but yeah. without knowing that I'm, you know, going to carry that home to my mother, and I can't exactly do anything. Um, yeah, because you, can't, yeah, you don't make know. A, if, you just you don't know if you're carrying it. it on your sweater. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you just don't know where it sits. Is it is it in the air? Is it on? It just. Like I said, I, I, you know, I'm hopeful that they could come up with a vaccine because, you know, I don't know if the NHL, you know, I'm really loving the playoffs, but no fans, you know, can that league survive? It's not sustainable to, 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 to do another. No, I, I just I, I mean, maybe they have surplus, but um, the fans pay for everything, Steve. I don't understand how they could keep their payroll going. Well, that's the other thing, too, is without fans, you know, they're not football, they're not baseball. Like, you know, the football game starts tomorrow night. The NFL has a $6 billion TV contract. The advertisers are probably looking at it going, so now instead of 80,000 people sitting in a stadium and seeing a minimal number of advertisements, we have those 80,000 people sitting in front of their television watching an advertisement for Coca-Cola. Or, exactly. you know, McDonald's right. or, you know what I mean? Whatever, Bud Light. Like, and that's, so the money for that league is, is off the charts. Hockey just, you know, it's a great sport and it's, it's come a long way. Obviously, guys are making a lot of money, but it's nowhere near the amount of revenue that's generated for the football. So that's, you know, it'll be interesting to see the, the, the COVID in football. If they're going you know, to look at baseball, what happened at the beginning with teams missing series after series because somebody was sick. That'll be an interesting with football because they're not in a bubble. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hopefully yeah. this thing blows up for you once it opens up, you know, and this COVID yeah. thing kind of fades out. Yeah, everybody's going to want to get too because we, yeah, we have such a big year plan that I really hope that we can somehow, you know, the things might go it. from January to August instead yeah. of September to March, right? So, you know, hockey, you know, my business goes all year round, and if I have to move a a May event to August and move a February event to, to May, then it is what it is. You know, I just think that yeah. parents are, they're, they're going to be hungrier than ever. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the parents, hockey parents have that big credit card, right? And they've been able to stay <laughs> home and pay that off. So like Mark said, when everything, hopefully a vaccination comes back, I think uh, the uptick for the Super Series showcases is going to be every everyone will be itching to get to those tournaments because they're the top Just tournaments. Just in general, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be who's going to have the ability to to speak, to house the events. You know, there's only certain cities that have a certain amount of ranks and you know, hopefully we can maintain uh, what what we've done in the past, and you know, to my you know to my friendly competitors as well. I, you know, we, there, there's only a few of us that have you know larger sustaining events, and you know, we'll all bounce back just like yeah. everybody else is going to from this. For sure, you have to uh, create a super series uh, elite uh, bubble. Just uh, put chain link fence around. <laughs> we actually, we've already talked about that. That's funny. We actually are looking okay. at this. So I'm not sure if you heard, but the uh, Pee Wee Quebec tournament got canceled. No. So, you know, that's such a staple for every, you know, Pee Wee major yeah. player in the country yeah. for the most part and the European teams. And so we actually, one of our partners at Exposure Hockey Group, we put out a tweet the other day about putting on a bubble event for the 2008 group, which is the same level as the Pee Wee Quebec. So, we're one Not step ahead idea. of you guys. There you go, man. Love it. it. Can be done. All right, man. Well, we hopefully hopefully we get this shit taken care of and move on because I think everybody's sick of it. So. Oh, yeah. we're all ready. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> ready to move on. That's for sure. Well, you know they haven't uh, had to stop in the NHL, and we've actually got to see some hockey for the last couple months here. And let's yeah, get into talking a little bit about hockey. that. Yeah, I mean, it's been good hockey. Obviously, no fans. Um, you know, that hasn't been a big issue for me. But, you know, some people I talk to, they're not into it as much. And I've mentioned it in the past past episodes. So, you know, baseball, baseball to me was, you know, kind of boring without fans. Um, hockey is, is so interactive and fast-paced. It's not as much of a dif- difference to me. Um, so I've enjoyed the playoffs. I've enjoyed watching hockey. It's been some good good hockey. The players seem to be able to get up for it and still play hard without any fans. Um, You know, so it's been a good playoff so so far. Yeah, Steve, being a a former uh, NHL player, you know, uh, have you had any scenario like this or anything, you know, um, anything (laughs) like this? And what's it, what do you think it would be like playing without fans? Or that would be just unreal or? Well, I think at the end of the day, I think from the perspective of the player, the, from a fan's perspective, sitting here for, you know, when, when they first started, the four or five games a day, you know, the pace, the level, the from a fan's perspective, sitting at home, the way the NHL has done, you know, the noises, the, the, the fans, you know, yeah. when the team scores, everything they're doing, I think it's been phenomenal. I'm with you. From a player's perspective in the facility, in the rink, I personally think that at the beginning they were probably like, oh, this stinks. You know, we don't have anybody to cheer. But I think as the playoffs went on and they got used to the fact that they're their own cheerleaders, they're their own fans, and the ability for a player on the bench who maybe doesn't play as much to be a cheerleader and to really – you know, be part of that. And at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. They're all vying for the Stanley Cup. And to watch the competition over the course of 
this whole time frame. I mean, the, the hockey's been, in my opinion, it's been as good as any former Stanley Cup playoffs that I've seen, you know, and the, the skill sets of the players just seems to get better and better. The interesting part about the playoffs is the amount of physicality in the games. To me, that's the separator. You know, Tampa goes out four straight last year to Columbus. Yeah. They left there going, that'll never happen to us again. You know, I, I, I was watching, I watch a ton of NHL Network. I watch a ton of live, you know, NHL Live on NBC Sports. And a lot of people were criticizing the, the, the uh, Tampa Bay GM for giving up first-round picks for Blake Coleman and, and uh, Barkley Goudreau. Well, look who's playing still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and having a major role. Like, you're talking Maroon, Goudreau, and Coleman. So, to me, those are the three. They have tons of skills. Stamkos hasn't played. Braden Point, to me, is probably the best player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a player. Goaltending off the charts. Hedman, Hedman is 6'5", yeah. skates like the way. Like, you know what I mean? So, the team itself, the, the, yeah, the pieces that were missing last year to compete with the, with the Blue Jackets were all addressed to have a deep playoff run. So people talk about the regular season. Maybe Tampa didn't have, I don't even know. I don't know if they were, I don't, because Boston ended up first, I believe, at least before yeah. Corona hit. Yes. Yep. And Boston lost every game, I believe, in the, in the, in the round robin or the play-ins, whatever that is. But, you know, the, the interesting thing about the game now is when I watch Vegas, and really the game has changed to the point where I think that the, the focus of teams moving forward is going to be the, a defenseman who can defend but also yeah. create and contribute offensively. Yeah. It's really like Shea Theodore. I mean, I've yet to see him in mean, this playoffs. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes. You know, Hedman is a little bit of a throwback because he's not as offensive as Hughes, McCarr, and Theodore. Mm-hmm. But the way he contributes and competes on the defensive side allows him to create offense. And I yeah. just, you know, having been a coach the last few years, watching a ton of hockey, like that to me is where I think the game is going to change. I, I don't know if it's going to turn to where they can only, where they could put forwards on D because it don't, doesn't work when you're defending six foot four forwards like Alex Tuck. But yeah. they're going to really, like you look at the Islanders, look at the four teams that are left. It's amazing when you really break down how the D on these teams is the separator. Because I think the forwards in the NHL, they're so skilled. Everybody can play. It's four lines. Goaltending and defense is really – like, look at Heiskanen. I mean, he, he's got 23, 24 points. He's 21 years old. You know, I totally forgot about him. Klingberg. I mean, the list goes on and on. It, it's insane, the, the defensemen. So, the, you know, the, the, the D that are going to be coming up in the world over the next X number of years, they really have to be kind of like a mixture of Eric Carlson and Radko Gudis. 
Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that the defense, you're, you hit it right on the nail, right on the head of the nail, Steve, that the whole defense is all four teams. And, um, you know, what I think that is the difference factor in these two series uh, is the power play and how, the, how they uh, defend the power play because both teams have firepower when they're on – when it, any, any of these four teams are on the power play, they're putting rubber on the net. And uh, it's whatever uh, defense or penalty kill core that can uh, fend these off. And uh, um, this definitely, th- th- these two series is definitely defensive oriented for sure. Yeah, Steve, I'm but, but, with, but with offense though, like that's yeah, thing. like everybody, yeah. everybody's playing, you know, from the blue line out. But at the end of the day, like everybody talks about Gerard Gallant and Pete DeBoer. And what happened, what was the difference from a Monday to a Tuesday? The difference was, is that Pete DeBoer coming from San Jose with Carlson and Burns really pushed for the D to be part of the offense, but still stressed. You can't just be a, a fourth forward. And yeah. so that to me is when people talk about defense, which Defense does win championships, but the word defense, I think, has changed because, if, like, the Vancouver-Vegas series was probably the most lopsided seven-game series I've ever watched. Vancouver yeah. beat them but got outshot by 40 shots <laughs> in a game. Yeah. yeah. You know, Thatcher Demko was outstanding – and kudos to him because here's a guy, if, if Markstrom doesn't get injured, he never gets a chance. You know, there's all this talk. I was listening on the radio the other day, like, oh, it's, it's going to be a goalie offseason. Like, well, you know what? Vancouver maybe now can go, do we really need to sign Markstrom for $6 million a year? Seven million, right. whatever. The, I'm just randomly making that up. When we have Thatcher Demko, who's six Thank foot five, know who finally got an opportunity who's on his entry level. And if he's not on his entry level, we'll sign him to a, to a true bridge contract that's not worth what some of these forwards and D are signing in their bridge yeah. contract. So, like I said, I'm just giving you my perspective from what I see. But to me, it's just amazing how the game has really changed from, you know, you watch a game from five, six years ago, and the D – there was one guy a team who could contribute offensively. Now it's three or four on each decor who are consistently, you know, especially with these guys. Like it, the funny thing is, is the Islanders, you know, the Islanders in Vegas. The one thing I take from those two teams is their decor. The 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 minutes played is very equal. And I heard it on NHL Network on the on the NBC Network one time. They were saying that in one game with the Islanders, every D man played between twenty and twenty three minutes, every single one. Wow! So the Hawks, my 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 beloved Hawks, Duncan Keith is an outstanding hockey player, but when he has to play thirty three minutes in a game, <laughs> and others because they're younger and maybe they don't feel confident enough in them, eventually that gets to them. Mm-hmm. You know, Seth Jones played 62 minutes of a hockey game. <laughs> like, no, can, no one understands 
like he basically would go on for 40 seconds, come off for 12, go back on for 40, go off for seven or eight until like people don't understand the grasp of that. So like the athleticism, the size, like everything for these D it's, it's to me, that's, that's, that's really been, and that's why these four teams are here. It's nothing against Columbus or Colorado or these teams, but consistently these teams were able to get timely goals on the power play and great goaltending. Yeah, Steve. So, but a lot one of the, of the things, offense is driven by the D, for sure. Yeah, look, what I was just going to touch on exactly what you just said there is it something that you hear a lot when you when you're listening to analysts on NHL Network or NBC, whatever it may be, is what they talk about is activating the D, right? So that term, activating the defense. I mean, if you look back, I don't know how many years ago. You never heard that. You never heard of activating the defense, you know, as far as like winning games. Like I just heard it tonight, like Tampa Bay has been really activating their defense. And that's why they won game one. Right. So you, you, you just hear that all the time now in all levels. I mean, I hear it at the USA development program uh, training uh, uh, things that they have for coaches. That's what they talk about, activating the defense and, you know, t- telling the young players, you know, what position do you play? Well, you know, I play defense, but, you know, or I line up on defense, but, you know, I play everywhere, right? So they want to focus on these, even the young players, focusing on offensive-oriented defensemen and activating the defense. And that's just that term. If you listen to these analysts, you'll hear it over and over, um, how they keep touting that as why teams are winning. I, th- I think well, with the uh, you- just with the new style of hockey, right? So there's, you know, when Steve played or when we played, um, it was cut clutch and grab. You can put your stick around the player's uh, um, stomach and go water skiing through the neutral zone or hold on to a stick for, you know, at least two seconds. And that, and now it's, you know, less physical. Um, so these defense are allowed to uh, um, take off and get the puck because, uh, you know, someone someone's going to back up. Uh, let's say a small forward's going to uh, um, back up his position. And, uh, um, you know, he doesn't have to be the six foot four um, Chris Pronger on defense to defend now. So I, that, yeah. that's my view anyways. Yeah, definitely. Everything's yeah, I mean, Nick, more yeah, I mean, Nick, you know, yeah, Nicholas Lidstrom is probably the, you know, the epitome of kind of like, and he obviously he's a Hall of Famer, but I mean, at the end of the day, when his time, you know, the game was way more physical, way more clutch and grab, but here's a, here's a player who like could literally play the entire game because he was just smarter than everybody else. Yeah. His angles, his sticks, like the, you know, the term that, you know, everybody uses on television now is stick on puck. And I think that physicality, I look at someone's ability to have stick on puck as, as almost like a physical part of the game, even though they're not engaging physically, they're taking away time and space by utilizing their hockey stick. Yeah. That's something that really is, is a huge part because the players are so skilled. Like, you know, the forwards can manipulate where the D puts their stick. And then they, it's, it's amazing when you watch the players and how much, what they're developing and what they do with their skills coaches. A lot of it has to do with making, making the player, that you're going against do something they don't want to do. 
Sure. You know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's very interesting. I mean, listen, and you know, the guys are obviously, you know, very, very knowledgeable on television and they, they just, they watch and they see like, you know, you can be Tory Krug and be as effective as Chara. With your step. Because, because you're, you're utilizing your body. Like, you know, so Krug is 5'10", Chara is 6'10". On skates, as an example, but the way they play, it's just the, the ability for Tori Krug, who is a great player, and you know he's probably going to cash in this summer, being an unrestricted free agent. You know, I heard something to say about Detroit because that's where he's from, but you know, it's just it's oh. amazing the game. You know, I I don't, I don't think you can be a. I think it's significantly easier to be a smaller forward in today's game than it is to be a smaller D because you do have to battle six foot two, six foot three forwards at times, but the game has definitely switched to where, you know, when every team took a six foot four D man in the first round because they thought they could turn him into a player. Yeah. Cause you it's can't teach size. And, you know, it's one of those things that I still believe in that, you know, a bigger player has to prove that he can't play. A smaller player has to prove that he can. Yeah. That's a good point. And those are, you know, and these are all things that just coming from being involved in the sport at a high level the last few years, my boys and coaching and juniors and all that, that's, that's, it's still the consensus that, you know, all things being equal, they're going to take a six foot two forward over a five foot ten forward. They just yeah. are. Yeah. And you're not going to fight that. You know, some teams like Toronto, really has kind of turned to more of a skilled organization, but they just haven't had success in the playoffs. And looking at Tampa last year, won the president's trophy, losing four games in the playoffs. There's no one in Tampa's organization that was happy. <laughs> so, you know. I got something I wanted to ask you to run by. Uh, these guys have been hearing it sure. for a couple of weeks now. Is uh, You know, the playoffs – Playoff hockey, as you know it, as we know it, you know, they usually let the game play a little more and the refs hold their whistle. Um, I see that not happening as much, especially in the closing minutes of periods and, and games, um, especially when it's a, you know, 3-2 game at the end of the third and they call a penalty with two minutes left. Uh, you know, some of that stuff you used to see in old-time hockey, they let the penalties kind of slip, you know, at the end of the game, you know, let the players play. Um, the other thing you talk about these stick on puck and, you know, when is it they're going to be a responsibility of these fucking stick manufacturers to make a stick that doesn't break? Because if you hit somebody's <laughs> stick and it breaks, it's an automatic penalty. But I mean, these sticks are like toothpicks, you know? So it's like, all right, you know, when can we go to these manufacturers and say, all right, let's make a stick that doesn't break, you know, causing all these penalties and game time situations. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just going on a tangent right now about that shit because I and I think the, uh, you know, the penalties, in the, yeah, the penalties in the NHL have gone crazy. But do you think that um, in playoff hockey, like we are now with uh, four teams left, should the ref hold the whistle a little bit more and put it in his pocket towards the end of the game or just call it like it has been all, all year long? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the dilemma for for the NHL is, you know, really, they've gotten, you know, they went from 
I literally heard something the other day about over the course of like 40 years, there was like five power plays called in overtime over the course of those entire playoffs. Wow. That resulted in a goal. And like in these right. playoffs, it seemed like there was, you know, there's, there, I, I, I kind of like it because I think it holds the, the players accountable to play and the refs to call the game regardless. And I think that was the big switch with the NHL was, you know what, if, if, if it's a penalty in the first minute of the game, it's a penalty in overtime. And that's kind of been the philosophy for, you know, last 10 years or so where, they're going to, you know, if there's a penalty, they're going to call it, regardless of what the situation is. So I'm not saying I like it, but the one thing they've gotten out of it is consistency. Consistency, yeah. Whereas, you know, if someone was going on a breakaway in the, in the 80s and he got hooked, who knows if they were even going to call it a penalty because they didn't want the power play to determine the game. Well, now, you know, it's become, you know, the fans love the power plays, the higher scoring. So I think they're in a, you know, I, I don't think the game's ever been better. So I don't think they're going to change it. I just don't. Yeah. That's just my crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could see that. I mean, there's some calls, like some of the calls are, some of the calls are, are really, really, really weak. Especially late they're, in the game, you know, like third, third period. They'll call a Philly slash, and then they won't get the cross check to the neck, you know, or, or something yeah. stupid like that. That's what I don't understand. Get the cross checks. That's uh, what are you I doing with the cross I think we're just all on the podcast. We always talk about the slashing. It drives us insane because you know when we play, we you know if if a, if a player has the puck on his stick, I'm gonna you know give his stick. a a whack at it, you know, maybe to fumble his hands and get that pop, get the turnover. So it just, I think it just pisses us off when we see a little slash. You're like, are you kidding me? What the hell? I've got stitches across my chin from a cross check to the face. I mean, these kids don't, they don't know what a, a tough you, game is. You got stitches, Steve? Oh, I had a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few. Yeah, so part of it. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Though. I th I think the four best teams are. Yeah, I think the four best teams are left. I really do. I think. I think at the end of the day, Vegas. I mean, Vegas and Tampa. Those teams are the, are my pick to go. Nice. Um, well, what about the? That would make I mean, an, an unbelievable had... final. Ah. I'm... I'm curious. You you sound like you're not surprised to see them out already. I think the rest of the well, hockey world I think what them. happened with the Avs, they you know they lost Eric Johnson, who is a you know is a prototypical Keith minutes plays against top lines type defenseman. Their goaltending, you know, they were down to their third goalie. I mean, it doesn't. It didn't surprise me, and they were still – they still went to game seven. Yeah. You know, in the, in the playoffs, you have to have – I mean, I think you have to be lucky to stay healthy. And for the most part, if you look at these four teams that are remaining, 
they each have their just going to think starting goalie Leonard. Although the Islanders have kind of been interesting, they've kind of rotated between yeah. Bryce and Varlamov. Um, and then you Dallas got, got a different situation. And actually, Dallas actually is interesting too because they lost Bishop, mm-hmm. and then Hudobin, you know, up until last night had been, and even last night he got peppered so badly that they finally decided to give Ottinger some minutes. But I mean, it's it's a fine line. I mean. I really think it's a fine line at that level. I mean, you know, the Blackhawks, if you think about it, traded away potentially the goalie that wins the Stanley Cup because they mm-hmm. weren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to be up for So, I mean, how, I mean how, time, how many times has that happened that you're trading away a number one goalie because you're not going to make the playoffs and then you do? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Dallas had I mean, the Avalanche's number, right? All regular season before the pause, they um, they faced the Avalanche and they dominated in four games during the regular season. So I think I think we knew that going into it, but I I just definitely thought with the the team that uh, Colorado has, I thought definitely they would be able to uh, be be Dallas, and I think Dallas is kind of I shouldn't say. Coming out of coming from nowhere, but uh, I don't know. I guess I, yeah, coming out. I don't know. I I just didn't see Dallas beating them. I guess I didn't see Dallas either. I don't know if anybody. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't. I didn't. You know, and even at the beginning of that series, I really didn't think Dallas. You know, they went up three nothing, and I'm like, how did they even go up three nothing? I know. (laughs) But you know, you get a you get a winning attitude and you know, the culture of your team and you may get a timely save and a power play goal here and there. And in your way, yeah. Lo and behold. Little Rick bonus uh, buying into that system maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I heard something that, you know, when when, when Jimmy Montgomery got fired and they brought in bonus, they, they kind of left the system in place yeah. for the remainder of the year. And then when when they resumed, they went to a little bit more of a of a a defense, you know. Once again, jumping in and joining the play and and uh, that type of offense. And lo and behold, you know, between Heiskanen and and Klingberg, they've been outstanding. I love Klingberg. He's nasty. I mean, no, and then then you really think about it. You know, uh, Cogliano gets hurt. They put in the kid um, Ricky Yarby, I think, or whatever his name is. He gets a hat trick, and they, oh, they yeah. he scores the overtime winner. Well, if he doesn't dress that game because Cagliano's healthy, do they advance? Wasn't it Hiranta that had the hat trick? What's his name? Hiranta. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I can't remember his first name, but he, you know, he he had only played six or seven games during the regular yes. season. Yeah. And he comes in and scores a hat trick, including the overtime winner, and it's like, well. Cagliano, yeah. who like up until he was suspended, has the long had the longest like Ironman streak. So he's a great team guy, a glue guy that's really good in the playoffs. And he goes out because of injury, and they put in a kid who scores a hat trick, and they go to the Stanley, the you know the conference finals. It's I mean it's such sure. a weird game that way. Yeah. Only hockey. Only in hockey. hockey. Yeah. So right now, right now we got one one with the Lightning tonight. Um, it's in the third period. Uh, obviously, the first game of that series uh, went the way of the lightning. 
Yeah, it, it was. They kind of came out and fucking smacked them in the face. Uh, I think Trot put some <laughs> put some things together uh, in the last day or two and figured out how to get back into this game into this series. Um, you know, because it was kind of interesting to see what happened tonight after you know game like yeah. game one. Like, how are they going to how are they going to rebound? Um, but they came out hot and they scored the first goal. They you know then Tampa Bay killed off a five minute penalty tonight. Um, and Hedman got a goal at the end of the first, and it's been. Fun. I thought that Islanders' goal was kind of strange. It looked like Martin pushed Bogosian into Veselovsky, however you say Veselovsky, it. Veselovsky, yeah. <laughs> and then he couldn't recover, and then you know the the puck just kind of fluttered over his glove or his shoulder. Yeah, I think yeah, we, we got to get a sh- shout out to. Uh, I think we're all rooting for Tampa now. We got a bunch of. Uh, Zach Bogosian from Messina, New York. The assistant coach, I forget his name. He's from Brazier. And then he got one of the head scouts from Potsdam. Which, which, which team? Tampa. Uh, Tampa. Three North Country guys. Three North Country Is, guys. Um, the Cup. We'll come back to St. Lawrence County. Yeah. Open. You, can have, uh, <laughs> you, can have a, you can have a parade down Main Street. <laughs> pretty slight. Bush Light and Pizza Rolls. It would, it would be, be, be the shortest, shortest parade in Stanley Cup history. But <laughs> hey, A lot of people would show up, though. It's a big hockey community. A lot of people would show up. For sure. Yeah, whatever. Oh, it won't be big as the Dairy Princess ranch. Parade, but. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but yeah. The, the, uh, I, I'm just happy to see Tampa, uh, you know, from last year's uh, downfall and losing out to Columbus there. It was just awful. And like Steve said earlier, I don't think there was anyone happy in uh, the Tampa organization. And now, uh, you know, bringing Bogosian from uh, uh, Buffalo, who Buffalo sent him down to the AHL and he refused to go, which I don't blame him. And now he's. I don't um, blame him either. Uh, he's, uh, I, I don't know how that works, Steve. What do you think about that? If, you're a, a, you know, I guess vet. a middle, yeah, tenured vet. That's a good way to say it. And you get sent to the uh, minors, and you're just not willing to go. What do you think about that? Um, you know what I mean? I think it's, I think every situation is different. I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, sometimes, you know, by not reporting, maybe you force their hand a little bit. Um, you know, but sometimes it goes the opposite way, where they're like, oh, listen, well, it's too bad. We're just going to let you wait. Mm-hmm. You know, you report then we'll consider trading you. If you don't report, you know, we don't pay you and, you know, you can wait, you can sit until the time is right. So, but, you know, in in Zach's case, I mean, he's, you know, there's another example of a player who I believe he was a first rounder. Yeah. He was like third. Yeah. Yeah, Third or fourth. Buffalo. Uh, Atlanta Crashers. Atlanta, yeah. So there exactly. So when you're that highly touted, you're probably coming out of juniors, tearing up the Ontario Hockey League. And look what he's now. Yeah. He's a solid stay at home defenseman who fits in really well in the way that Tampa plays. He's playing you with know, Hedman right now. You- yeah, yeah, do your job, do your job, move the puck up to the forwards that are making a ton of money, and your goalie loves you. 
<laughs> that is your, that's what every coach should want is yeah. be like that. You know, Pareko, Petrangelo. I mean, you look at the blues, why they won last year, they're D. Pennington was outstanding, but they're D. Yeah. And that's really what it is. You know, yeah, that's he, the game. That's he's the game. a big, strong guy. I mean, he's a burly guy. He's been in the league a long time. He's going to protect anybody on his team. I like him. I like to see it. He's not going to be that activated defenseman, which he actually did have a pretty sweet. Uh, he certainly can. Yeah, yeah. He, he did have some some nice offensive moves a couple weeks ago. He's had some highlight reels there. Comes from a great family. If you, I don't know if you guys know this, but his brother played at St. Lawrence, and um, Aaron. I think Aaron, and I think he was in like his early thirties, thirty three, thirty four. He went into the Navy fucking SEALs, and was that. like one of the oldest uh, people to actually go through the Navy SEALs and complete it. Um, you know, when they have that whole craziness when they go in the Navy SEALs, and he actually like broke his ribs. Uh, and still finished it. I mean, just just tough toughness, you know. He's a hockey like, player, yeah. Yeah, he's a hockey player. Great family, you know. Like so, one of his brothers is a Navy SEAL. The other ones in the NHL. Just a good story for uh, for the North Country. But I like to see Zach Zach Bogosian have success. Um, and, What's you know, the age on that? What's that age record for the Navy SEAL? I'm 39. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you, are, you got no chance. You'd be lucky to get to the mailbox, kid. <laughs> you you got to be able to yeah. swim a little bit. Can you imagine going to the Navy SEALs at like 35 years old? Get out of here. Come on. Get out of here. No way, so, man. But anyways, let's uh, switch back over to the uh, the other series going on, the Vegas series. Um, you know, Marceau, Tuck, uh, Mark Stone, Stoney, uh, yeah. I mean, what a bunch of good pickups. Pacioretty, take the Canadians captain, you know, take the Senators captain. I mean, what the fuck, right? Like, what are these teams thinking? Now look at them. Well, I have a question for you guys. Do you think uh, Ryan Reeves is a difference maker? He sat out, uh, or I don't know if, if he was injured or what it was, game one, game two, he's back out there. Um, he, he hit said, that guy and got a suspension. He showed oh, yeah, 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 yeah. to the face. So, but just having <laughs> that presence on the ice, I think it makes a difference. What do you guys think? Big time. I mean, I think it makes a difference, but I felt like Robin Liner makes makes the difference. Like Reeves makes a difference, but Liner and Net makes the difference. That's the statement. I mean, you got a you got a guy like the flower sitting on the bench. I mean, who who's thinking that's happening? You know, yeah. Like early in the season, I mean, Pat, you you've been sucking his uh, sucking his yeah, knob for a while now. He's <laughs> one of the best. He's one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, I, he's nasty, but like Rob said, to get uh, Leonard and that, and it just fires everybody up. The team ahead of you, you know, you get you know, you guys play. We all played hockey. You get that goalie in that sometimes, and it's just that buzz, and he's energized and uh, just creates that. And I'm not saying Mark Andre do- doesn't, but I'm just saying he's a little crazier, um, funnier, uh, one of those guys that uh, you just uh, rally around. I've been waiting for, for the flower to make his debut here, but they just keep going back to Leonard. Um, you know, he's just been outstanding, and he, he's on a contract. He, he's going to uh, – this is his last – you know, this – 
whatever. I don't know if he get leased them to the uh, Vegas for the year, however it goes. But you know, he's up for his contract at the end of this Mark year. Mark so. started game one, didn't he? Four shutouts. Yeah, yeah he did. Well, yeah, no. he started yeah. game one. So he and he did very well. He played very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the whole thing with Which his is- agent probably didn't help his uh, his cause at all. No. Well, no. Did you guys, did you guys see that? Game, right? Yeah, his no, agent sent out a, a tweet with a a sword through uh, the flower and with, yeah. with with the boar's name on the on the, the sword. sword. The coach's oh, okay. sword. Yeah, oh, that didn't help his cause. I mean, but you know, the, you know, it's a tough decision being a coach at that level. And you know, according to what I heard on the radio, that Robin Leonard came back after the break and like literally didn't give up a goal in practice. He's got four shutouts right now, Steve. Exactly, he's got four shutouts. Exactly. I mean, it's a it's yeah. a no brainer. Le, Le Flower is great, but Liner makes a difference when he's in net. He's got four shutouts right now. I don't know anybody else that has four shutouts uh, in this series, in this playoffs. Let alone having four yeah. shutouts in an entire playoffs run. You talk about. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks letting him go, but look how well Crawford played. I mean, obviously didn't advance, but he, he played well too. He went through, um, was it, where he went from Chicago to somewhere else first though, didn't he? Or did he go from no, Islanders? Chicago? Islanders. Leonard was from, he was Islanders. Right, right, right. Okay. Signed as a free agent by the Hawks and then got traded to Vegas. My, my guess, just based on some comments that Stan Bowman made in in the media was my guess is Leonard comes back. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. He said there's going to be a lot of new faces, but some not new to Chicago. Mm. Oh, there you go, Steve. Back in your hometown. <laughs> Just because yeah. I think Crawford is, I think Crawford is going to be moved and, you know, Leonard and that's just a hunch. I mean, I, I don't know that. Sure. I mean, you know, it, it's really uh, the Hawks are a little bit in a transition because, you know, um, their D are getting a little older. Kane and Taves still carrying the group. You know, Kirby Doc, I think, is going to be an outstanding player. And, you know, yeah. it'll be interesting to see the moves they have to make. Kubalik or who's that rookie that's – Kubalik was outstanding this year. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. awesome too. Yeah. He had a great first game against Vancouver. I mean, against uh, Vegas and then kind of, you know. Hat trick, right? Or some shit. I think he had a so, hat trick. Yeah, he had four or five points. Yeah, do you it. think the uh, Peng- the Penguins and the Blackhawks are in a similar, si- similar situation with they got like Crosby and Malkin and Taze and uh, Kane, like where they're getting up there, but they're not winning in the playoffs and is it time to break them up and, uh, try to get some younger talent, or what, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's a bunch of teams who had success in the early, you know, 2010 and, and, and beyond, who had superstar players who they had to sign the long term deals, who are now, you know, getting a little older. Yeah. Sidney Crosby to me is, you know, between Sidney, Patrick, and Jonathan, they're three great players. But they're but they're but they're not the players they were, nor 
I mean, actually, Patrick Kane still, I mean, I think he's almost gotten better a little bit. It's kind of odd to, to think that he's, he's changed his game a lot. You know, his hands are obviously outstanding. Jonathan Taves, you know, 200-foot player, probably doesn't add as much offensive as he's used to. But, I mean, Sidney Crosby's still, still so much smarter than everybody else. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, another level. So, but, but I agree with that. I think they're in, you know, goaltending for both teams is good, not great, you know. Matt Murray's looking to get traded. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, I tell people all the time, you know how hard it is to win three Stanley Cups like the Hawks yeah. did and still maintain the, the you know, the um, cap and all that. It's very difficult. Mm. Very, you know, I mean, the Hawks, I mean, look at the players they traded. Panarin. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the top five players in the world, they traded him. Uh, I mean, you know, Jarmelson to Phoenix, which is probably a piece that they've never been able to recuperate. Shot blocker, you know, really, really team team guy. So, you know, those are the type of guys like that win championships. Yeah, definitely. And that's what this game's about because you don't get measured how you do in the regular season. Yes, sir. That's for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, we still got the uh... – Still got the one-one, five minutes left in the game, and sorry to keep you away from the uh, exciting action tonight. Steve. Oh, that's okay. I'm watching it. The shots are twenty-six, seventeen for the Islanders. So, wow. really, kind of that pro- probably that five versus three was probably the difference in the shots. We had some uh, some legendary. Uh, we had Clark Gillies on, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, talking about, you know, you were just mentioning how hard it is to win Stanley Cups. I mean, he, what did they say, Pat? How many? Times did they make it to the conference finals in a row? Like nineteen. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Three, what that, I don't know what four, three Stanley Cups in a row. Four. They won, they won yeah. four, but I they think they won. They went five times. Will you ever see that again? I mean, was that just uh, like we had Ron Wasky on? It was actually the trainer of that team. Um, talking about it, he was, you know, there for those four cups, and you know, he was saying like with the free agency and you know the way things are with the money these days that you might not ever see that again. And I just it people don't talk about that Irelanders like uh, dynasty as much as you would think. It's just such a hard thing to do, like you said, like win that many cups in a row. Think we'll ever see that again? No way. <laughs> no, there's no way. I mean, that was just when you really think about someone going and like playing that much hockey over the course of five years. Crazy. And, you know, when it's such a fine line between winning and losing, I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, the Montreal yeah. Canadiens, sure. those dynasties, it just, I don't, you just don't think it can exist anymore just based on the salary cap and the, Yep. Just everything, you know, the parody in the league, and it just it just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, what the Hawks did in the course of six years is pretty impressive. You know, it's uh-huh. you know, so Montreal people don't realize that in the in the sixties they used to get every top player in Quebec. <laughs> yeah, right. I wonder why they were good. Yeah, a lot of good players in <laughs> Quebec. Know. You know, people don't realize that when the, the in the expansion year, I think it was '67. You know, the Blues yeah. went to the Stanley Cup final, but I believe, unless I'm wrong, there had to be an expansion team in the finals 
it was something bizarre like that. Hmm. Like they had a division of only teams that were expansion or something like that. I don't know. I thought I read something like that. Like, I'm like, how does a first year team, like when the, when the Panthers did it, they earned it. But like the blues went to the Stanley cup, like the first two years of their existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and if and if I'm wrong, you can cut it out because I don't want to sound like a moron. <laughs> but I'm pretty positive that fact something to do with the Blues. The blue, yeah, somebody do that. But I mean, <laughs> what Vegas has done as a expansion team in this era, those guys deserve like if if you know if the if the Kraken come close. Picking a team like <laughs> Vegas did, other GMs should be losing their jobs. Yeah. What do you think I mean, about they that? Just toyed, think they just toyed. They just toyed with the other teams. It was bizarre. Do you think How the crack up Alex do that? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to change the rules. Like I just, I think they totally manipulated legally, manipulated yeah. the draft yeah. by like by picking up players that like. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Carlson. I mean, these, like, you know, touching on Pacioretty a little bit, Nick Suzuki is going to be an all-star in the league within two years. Yeah, so they did give up a lot for him. But for every Nick Suzuki, who was a first-rounder, there's other players who don't pan out. So... It was a good trade for everybody. I think Bank, I think Vegas wanted a little older presence, someone that can score goals, and Montreal, you know, ended up getting a great player in Suzuki. That's for sure. Yeah, a huge you know, pickup. It'll with be Mark interesting Stone to see what too. Montreal does. Yeah, Stone is unreal. I mean, yeah. he works hard. He's a leader. Like they're, you know, some 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 of the players they picked up is Stasny. I mean, their top six is, like I said, they're an expansion team. You know, I mean, Wait, Shea Theodore, yeah. just Anaheim's got to be picking themselves. <laughs> I know. For letting him go. I mean, certain teams are just like, really? We gave up that? You know, I Nate know. Schmidt. And I mean, just the list goes on. Yeah. Very Theodore impressive. A, you talk about the goalies, right? I mean, we've been talking about the goalies for that team and how good they are. Yeah. 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 Flurry, Flurry, they got, you know, wow. They, you know, Pittsburgh didn't want him. Murray won the cup, I think, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Leonard, they stole. I mean, they they do a great job. I mean, I just don't know if if, if the Kraken is even going to be able to do what they did because I think the GMs are going to be on the other teams are going to be significantly smarter with how they go about this next draft. You like that name, Steve, the Kraken? Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, the cool logo. I mean, you know. It, it kind of goes, you know, they, I think it's just part of the new, you know, let's call it the new NHL. Yeah. Cool name, cool colors. I mean, they sold a ton of merchandise. I think they even beat out Vegas. I think I read that. that they beat out yeah. Vegas for the most, you know, most um, uh, apparel. Merchandise sold, sold yeah. Merchandise, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's good for the so It'll be interesting it's, to see how uh, what happens. It's great for the league, yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, we have a. Uh, it's been fun having Steve on tonight. I mean, 
what, what are your predictions? Before we let you go, what's your prediction for the Cup? Who do you got? Tampa, Vegas? Yeah, I, I'm going with Tampa and Vegas, and I'm going to take Vegas in six. Vegas in six. Should I put some money on that? Yeah. Or lock it, lock sure. That sure, I'll buy you guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you guys a, a pizza roll at Sergi's if that's not right. <laughs> Two ranches. <laughs> extra extra sauce. Yeah, extra sauce, two ranch, and oh, eat it man. right away. What's uh, what's the uh, lineup for the Super Series before I let you go? Just run through uh, what's next for you guys. Well, I mean, you know what? We have, like we said, we talked about. I have a Midwest Exposure Series event in Minnesota coming up, and you know our schedule is loaded with with events. It's just. You know, really hoping, you know, our, our Columbus Day weekend in Princeton, New Jersey sold out. We, you know, we uh, we just really don't know. It's just going to be a complete moving target. Right. Yeah. Until everything so we're hopeful up. that we hope, hope that you guys can, you know, be part of what we're doing again. And, you know, build what we were planning on doing and keep people interested and all that fun stuff. Well, yeah. 7.8 seconds left. Kucherov just scored. Oh, my gosh. What a shot. Nasty. Nice. Did you see that foot pass that he had the other day? Oh, the where he kind of like scooped the puck up onto his – yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, that was, that was intense. All right, boys. All right. Well, Steve, we we appreciate you coming on tonight, taking the time to say with the time, boys. Always love talking on. Yeah. And I'm glad I got the pick for the Stanley Cup, so I'm gonna get on, uh, <laughs> make some bets. Well, you can go Islanders and uh, in Dallas if you want. <laughs> you never know. That's you get a hockey for you. Chance of being right. Uh, that's that's right. right. I would. I, I kind of would like to see the Islanders win. I mean. You know, we, we've been talking to Clark Gillies and a couple other guys from the Islanders, and uh, it's been a long time for these Islanders fans, and to see them get some success again, uh, they're pretty fired up about it. So uh, yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm secretly that. rooting for them. Yes. Well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, and Barry Trotz is one of my favorite coaches, so I'd love to see them win. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's an interesting topic we didn't even get to touch, but maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> If, if, they, if they make it to the finals, you'll come on again. Yeah, All right. yeah, you got it. All right, boys. Right. Thank you for your time. All right, Steve. Have a good one. Thanks. See you guys. Have a good one, Steve. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, boys. Bye. All right, Steve Dubinsky on with us tonight. Uh, obviously a former former NHLer, and uh, nice to talk to him tonight. Um, what do you think, yeah, fellas? He's another, you know, he's another brain that is just wired hockey. I mean, yeah. he's got a, a ton of hockey knowledge. I, I really like to to have him on. We have him on three times now, at least. Um, yeah. He's he's just another one of those guys that has an encyclopedia of hockey in his brain. So take it. Yeah. Yeah. Take Steve on any time uh, we can. Uh, definitely to break down hockey. He's got more insider information than we do. And, uh, you know, he's one of the co-owners of the Super Series Elite Showcases, which uh, we did a little work with him. And uh, it's always fun. He played at Clarkson University uh, when we were back in high school in our hometown of St. Lawrence County, Canton, Potsdam. So it's great to have Steve on. I think his jersey's hanging in the rafters 
at uh, Chill Arena in uh, Potsdam, New York, Clarkson University. So, uh, yeah, I didn't even know that. That's a fun fact for your listeners. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know there's uh, a bunch of people hanging there, but I know he was one of them. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, we had the uh, coach of the year come out with Cassidy from the Bruins tonight, fellas. So what do you think about that? I mean, yeah. Did it last year? Who got it last year? Uh, yeah, he did well, get it last year. It was – no, it was uh, Chief, wasn't it? Oh, Same yeah, yeah, yeah. Trotz was the year before, was. right? I don't know. Yeah, Trotz was the year before. Yeah. Trotz was the year before, and then uh, – St. Louis Blues coach and now uh, Queenie. I, I I don't know. I don't really. The Bruins failed, right? They were supposed to go to the Stanley Cup Finals again this year, and with that team they had, they didn't. Um, they had a player on the team that uh, left the bubble. Their starting goalie. You know, I can't blame it on the coach, but uh, there's all these things that you can throw. Um, at Sweeney for um, not going to the Stanley Cup Finals or playing today, and uh, I just think there's better coaches out there. Um, I don't, I don't know what they decided on the whole season, regular season, and playoffs, or just after the pause. I'm assuming it's the whole season. Um, they were in first place coming into the NHL playoffs, most points, most wins. Um, before the pause, they were easily the best team in the league. Yeah, and who knows? Yeah. The pause could—it could be a different story. They could be Stanley Cup champions right now if the pause didn't happen. It could be. Yeah, we we won't know. I mean, I think winning the President's Cup was the uh, big push there. You know, the best team, most points in the regular season, a hundred points or something like that before the pause or something crazy. But um, you know, I don't—I I don't know if I agree with it. Uh, you have teams that are in the playoffs still today that were underdogs, right? And I think that's when it's a good coach to be nominated. You know, you have yeah. the Bruins. We know they had a good team. They've had a good team. Best they were supposed, in the yeah, they were supposed to win the perfection line. You know, they, they were – they were supposed to get to about to where they got to. But what about the coach of the Dallas Stars? What about the coach of the Islanders? You know, Trotz, obviously a good coach. Trotz, yeah. Um, yeah. But teams that aren't expected to get to where they are, even if it's a team that um, is already out of the playoffs. So maybe it's uh, Torts or, um, you know, because he had a good run in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Some of these guys that weren't expected to. Yeah, Flyers, great example. You know, I mean, they made it to, to the last round, and they were one of those teams that weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. So, I um, mean, if the Rangers ever did anything in the playoffs, then you would look at Quinn and say, hey, what about him? And I think that's, to me, when you have these Coach of the Year awards, I like to see it as the coach that got his team somewhere that wasn't expected to be there. You know, even in, like, the, like the high school levels when we were in school, if you had a – a coach from say Brazier Falls and made it to the Sam or the Section Ten Finals, he would be the coach of the year because he wasn't expected to. And that's mm-hmm. I kind of that's where I kind of see that award, you yeah. know, as far as how'd you you if you didn't have the players and you coached them to that level, if you have the players, then it's easy. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I agree. 
he, he um, deserves the award for sure. What he's done the last yeah. few years made of course. the Boston Bruins a powerhouse. Um, but again, he has all the players to manipulate manipu- manipulate on these lines. So it's not like exactly what you said, Mark. He he has he has the assets in front of him. So I mean, Ron, well, the three coaches that were up, the three coaches that were up are all out. Right, so they're all kind of in the same bucket. None of them. Yeah. I think GM of the year is up next. Uh, I think Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay won tonight, by the way, 2-1. Scooter mm. outscored. It looks like he scored with nine seconds left in the fucking third. That's what Steve said. He said seven seconds, so, but. Yeah, so I, I stepped off of that, but, yeah, shit. Yeah. 19.51, it said. So you got you got the uh, the the lightning up. I mean, two zero in that series. Do you think the Islanders can even come back from that shit? I think I it's know. still going to be a series. I think it's, we'll still have a series. Although I watched a little bit of the, I watched all the game, game one, and I watched just a little bit here while we we're doing the podcast. And Tampa's all over them. I don't know. <laughs> I've been saying the Islanders are. This is the this is the Tampa team we've been expecting, right? Yeah. Where are they so, been? You know, where are you now? I just think that it's going to be – I mean, look, can the Islanders do it? Possibly. I think it's going to be very, very hard to overcome this uh, Tampa Bay team. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't see it happening, honestly. Yeah, especially losing tonight. It's a game changer. Now that It's tough, right? Now you're down 2-0. 2 nothing. yeah. And Tampa is good, right? Yeah. So you have to be really good and play perfect. Um, yeah. uh, it's just going to be tough, man. It's a steep hill. Yeah. they got to win every game going forward. Yeah, it is. Um, I, what do you guys think of the other series? Now that Steve's off, so we're just talking freely at the end of the episode here. Um, you know, the Vegas, the Vegas team is – I think more talented, but you know, when you have a team like Dallas that beat the Avs, it always kind of hits me in the back of my head. Like they beat the Avs, why can't they fucking beat Vegas? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they beat the best team in the NHL, in my opinion, in a seven-game well, series. So, are they going to be able to beat Vegas? Because I mean, did you well, see did, Dallas? Dallas can beat uh, the Avalanche. Beat Dallas every game in the regular season four games and they manhandled them. So, um, you know, going into the playoffs and into that series, that was a little bit of the talk, but uh, all of us, all the other hockey community and fan base thought for sure that uh, uh, the Avalanche are going to steamroll them. And I think, you know, we text each other when they won was where in the hell did Dallas come from? The um, but a lot of people forgot that Dallas, you know, beat them every single game in the regular season. Colorado was 0-4 against Dallas. So, um, did did you know, see the faces on the uh, McKinnon and McCarr and yeah? After they lost that game, they're just, they panned the bench, and those guys are just like, "How did that happen?" I mean, you know, Dallas has got some really good defense. We talked about that earlier with Steve against one of the best. Firepower in the NHL. That's offense and defense. McKinnon's like freaking faster than fast, and they shut him down. 
They yep. plugged up the neutral zone, Petey. Colorado couldn't get past the neutral zone. I think the goalie situation in Colorado, maybe if they picked up the king, um, you know, or Different picked story. up somebody else, you know, I, maybe Lundquist or somebody like that, maybe they could have won. But I think their goalie situation isn't as good as the rest of their team. I'm with you. Well, you know, it's easy to get lost in the lineup, right? When you have studs like that out in front and they're winning games left and right, you know, it's easy to get lost on who's in net. But with Grubauer going down, um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but he, he went to stretch his leg out and must have hyperextended his knee or, or something, but he went off. Yeah. So I'm mean, going to change things, just like you said. Now, had they had a goalie in who started making some saves, it could have went completely the other way, you know, like a, a Thatcher Demko, right? He's getting his first first real experience, and he tore it up. So, you know, I don't know. Hockey can be a game of luck, too. Sure. Yeah, but it's it's uh, been a pretty good run, fellas. I mean, now, now we got the uh, – the Lightning up 2-0, and we got the other series. What is it, 1-1? Tied at 1-1. Yeah, so um, pretty good series going on there. I mean, I, for me, my picks are going to be the Lightning, and I'm actually going to go with Dallas. For some reason, I think just because Dallas could beat the Avs, I think they can beat Vegas. Yeah. You guys have any predictions? Tampa, Vegas. Tampa. Hey. Tampa winning the Cup this year. Too many St. Lawrence County boys on that team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for those reasons, I'm pulling for Tampa also. But I, I just feel like Vegas and Tampa are the, the clear lead horses right now. I, I would like to see that battle. I'm not sure I have a prediction. Um, as long as it's good hockey, uh, I would like to see Tampa because we have a, a really good shot at seeing the Cup in uh, northern New York. But, um, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Put, put that cup on an Amos buggy and wheel out some bitch around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> some bitch. All right, fellas. It's been a good one. We had Steve Dubinsky on tonight. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Manscaped. You know, shave those balls up good. And uh, got anybody Matt else? Matt Delpa. Matt Delpa next week. Uh, King Clancy trophy winner. We're going to get him on soon. I don't know if it's next week. We're trying to figure that out with the schedule within yeah. the next two weeks definitely man Dumbo's coming on and talking to him yeah for sure especially with all the crazy shit going on in the world it's uh, uh, interesting to see what he's got to say about what's going on in his life and promoting um, what he's been doing in the NHL so what's his uh, what's the group the Black Alliance something like that yeah <laughs> I'll be interested to hear, you know, some background on that for sure. Yeah, and it's good to see in the NHL, obviously, a phenomenon, uh, and he said that word right, uh, league like the NHL having mostly white players where most of the other four, you know, the four major sports, um, we haven't talked about this too much, but are predominantly black, you know, except for hockey. So. To see something like uh, this going on in the hockey world, is it's more of an, uh, an impact, I feel like, because it's ignored in this league because there's not many black people. What is there, fucking 10 black people in the league, you know? Where if you go to the rest of the league, there's 10 white people, right? So right. 
you know, I think that's pretty cool for the, for them to promote that in the NHL. Uh, you know, good to see because it's uh, probably a little bit more prejudice. You know. Sure. All right, boys. Well, it's been a good podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, watch us on YouTube if you want to see what we look like. And until next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice. Sweeto! Oh, doctor! Meow. Keep your head up.